ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله amma ba'd so if you remember in the previous lessons we were talking about the different ways that can lead to shirk and how the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam stopped all of these methods and ways that can lead to shirk and warned us against these various affairs we mentioned eight so far and so today we'll begin with number nine the previous eight can be found in the previous lessons number nine then al-ghulu فالصالحين exaggeration and excessiveness in the rights of the righteous people and this is exactly what happened at the time of Nuh alayhi salam at that time the people had an excessive love for those righteous ones who died they went into exaggeration and as a consequence they began visiting their graves and staying there for long periods of time and then after that they ended up making statues or figurines representing them and eventually they were worshipped besides Allah all of that stemming from beginning from their exaggeration and excessiveness in regards to the rights of those righteous people so what is the meaning of excessiveness the meaning of exaggeration it is raf'uhum fawqa manzilatihim allati anzalahumullahu ila ma la yajuzu illa lillah it is to raise them above the station above the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed them upon to raise them above the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed them upon to the extent that they begin to treat them and behave towards them as their 
behavior would be before their Lord, i.e. that they make dua to them and they begin seeking aid and assistance from them. And that is, of course, from the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is exactly what is witnessed and observed. That the people, they go to the graves and they make dua to the dead, asking them for aid and assistance. Asking them, seeking shafa'a. And that is from their ghulu, their excessiveness. But some of the people of innovation and deviance promote this excessiveness. They want you to treat the leaders as though they are some superior beings. They want you to be in submission to them so that they can control you, the followers. And they are told all types of lies. They are told that the leaders go to paradise at night and that the leaders talk to Allah and that the leaders have revelation given to them directly from Allah. Ghulu, exaggeration and excessiveness. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan, he says, وَقَدْ وَقَعَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ مِثْلْ مَا وَقَعَ لِقَوْمِ نُوحِ the same has happened in this Ummah, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The same has happened in this Ummah as what happened in the Ummah of Nuh alayhi salam. لَمَّا أَظْهَرَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِكَثِيرٍ مِّنَ الْمُفْتُونِينَ الْغُلُوَّ وَالْبِدَعْ فِي قَالِبِ تَعْظِيمِ الصَّالِحِينَ وَمَحَبَّتِهِمْ Shaytan, he presented this concept to the masses, to the people, as respect and honor for the righteous. He presented it to the people that they are simply honoring and respecting the righteous. And in reality, they were in excessiveness, in exaggeration, going beyond the bounds into shirk in calling upon them and making dua to them and seeking shafa'a from them. But the shaitan came and convinced them that this is only your love and respect and honor for these people. And those others who do not do this, then they are disrespecting these 
Mashaikh. They are disrespecting these great noble leaders of ours. They don't go to their graves. They are disrespecting them. They don't have any care. They don't call upon them. They are disrespecting the great awliya of Allah. That is how shaitan presented it to them. That if you do not call upon the deceased, you do not call upon these great leaders, then you are disrespecting them and dishonoring them. لِيُوقِعَهُمْ فِيمَا أَوْقَعَ بِهِ قَوْمَ In order that he may cause the people of this ummah to fall into exactly what the people of Nuh fell into. فَمَا زَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ يُوحِي إِلَىٰ عِبَّادِ الْقُبُورِ وَيُلْقِي إِلَيْهِمْ أَنَّ الْبِنَاءِ والعكوف على قبور الصالحين يعد محبة لهم شيطان continues to whisper to the people and convince them that by building shrines and other structures on top of the graves of the deceased is a sign of your love for them that you build a proper grave a proper tomb on top of where they are buried that shows your love for them that is what the shaitan came to them with and that if you do not build anything on top of the graves and you do not beautify it then that shows your lack of respect and your lack of love for these great righteous people. And if you don't go to the graves and sit there and spend a long time there, then it shows your lack of love and respect for them. This is how the shaitan came confusing the people. وَأَنَّ الدُّعَاءَ عِنْدَ قُبُورِهِمْ يُسْتَجَابُ And shaitan convinced the people, whispered to the people, that your dua at the graves will be answered. ثُمَّ يَنْقُلُهُمْ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْمَرْتَبَةِ إِلَى الدُّعَاءِ وَالتَّوَسُّلِ بِهَا So then after that the shaitan transfers them from this initial stage of getting them to go to the graves and spend long periods of time there. He convinces them to the next stage of actually making dua to the dead and asking from the dead. فَإِذَا أَلِفُوا ذَلِكَ And when they get used to that and it becomes the norm for them, to be going to the graves and calling upon the dead. نَقَالَهُمْ مِّنْهُ إِلَىٰ دُعَاءِ الْمَقْبُورِينَ وَعِبَادَتِهِمْ وَسُؤَالِهِمْ وَالشَّفَاعَةِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلِ The third stage is that he convinces them to call upon the dead in terms of making dua to them. So... Take a note of the three stages to make it clearer here. 
The first stage, the shaitan convinces the people to go and spend time at the graves, sit there, make i'tikaf there basically. The second stage is that the shaitan convinces the people to ask the dead to take their du'as to Allah. That is a better way for the second phase. That he asks or convinces the people to ask the dead for their du'as to be taken to Allah, for the dead to be intermediaries for them. Then the third stage is that he convinces them to just outright call upon the dead and make du'a to them. The second stage was about making du'a to Allah, but going through these deceased people, intermediaries, shafa'a. But the third stage, he convinces them, just make du'a to them. They'll answer your du'a. So in this way, shaitan moves through the stages one by one slowly causing the people to become greater in their level of wrong and sin. And that's how it works when it comes to deviation, when it comes to misguidance. The shaitan, if he can, ultimately he will wish to cause you to commit kufr, shirk, ultimately. If he cannot make you do that, then he will desire at least actions of minor shirk from you. And then on top of that, major sins. And if not that, minor sins. And if not that, Before you get to the good, shaitan isn't going to go straight to the good. If shaitan cannot get you to do shirk, kufr, major sins, bid'ah, then the next step is sort of. He and the shaitan will then attempt to preoccupy a person in mubah. Not even the good, just the mubah yet. The allowed things, general allowed things. He will try to get you to be preoccupied in mubah, which will then take you away from that which is mustahab and sunnah and those types of things for busying your time in mubah. If he can't get you to do that, you are somebody who worships and you don't waste your time in mubah. Then he will try and get you to do (coughs) the lesser of the good deeds, the lesser of the good worship, the least of the good worship to keep you away from the higher of the good worship. In all of those different levels, the shaitan attempts to whisper to a person 
That's why Imam al-Barbahari mentioned, you remember in Sharh al-Sunnah, that a person falls into an innovation or a wrong, and it starts as something small. But slowly, as time goes by, that small sin, that small innovation, it grows and grows and grows around that person. And that person cannot perceive that because it is slowly growing around him until eventually he is swallowed by that in innovation and misguidance and he can no longer pull himself out of it. So shaitan, he comes in this way, step by step, stage by stage upon a person. It is not necessarily that the shaitan comes and instantly attempts to cause you to commit kufr and shirk. But there are multiple stages that the shaitan attempts to go through in distracting a person away from that which is beneficial for him. So that is what happens at the graves. The shaitan convinces the people initially to go spend time there and then to make i'tikaf there and then to seek shafa'a from them and then to actually call upon them uh, and to make dua to them and to make tombs and shrines and beautification of the grave on top of their burial sites. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala said, فَكُلُّ مَنْ غَلَى فِي نَبِيٍّ أَوْ رَجُلٍ صَالِحٍ وَجَعَلَ فِيهِ نَوْعًا مِنَ الْإِلَاهِيَّةِ مثل أن يقول يا سيدي فلان انصرني أو اغثني أو رزقني أو أنا في حصبك ونحو هذه الأقوال فكل هذا شرك وضلال يستتاب صاحبه فإن تاب وإلا قتل Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala said every person who exaggerates or goes to excess in a prophet regarding a prophet or regarding a righteous man and he gives that person an element of the, the, Lord, the, the worship of Allah, the, the uluhiyyah of Allah. For example, he says such and such Sayyidi, my Sayyid, help me, aid me, sustain me, give me, give me sustenance and provision. I am in your charge, I am under your authority. A person he speaks in this way, calls upon another in this way, then he has certainly exaggerated and gone beyond the bounds of what is correct. It is all shirk, this type of statement, misguidance, this type of statement, and that person is told to repent, seek forgiveness, 
and return back from that. Otherwise, in the Muslim country, the ruler may kill that person, capital punishment for that. If a person is given the capital punishment Islamically under Islamic law, under the rulership, under the government, properly and officially carried out, then that person is forgiven. Because if you are given a had in this world, then you're not punished for that sin again in the afterlife. Meaning you stole something and your hand is chopped off, you've been punished. You're not going to be punished for that again in the afterlife. The punishment of this world, if it is done to you, the official punishment, then that is it for that particular act. Not with shirk. If a person commits major shirk, major shirk, which exits him from the fold of Islam, and this istitaba is done, and he refuses, that means he's died as a kafir anyway. But this would only be in the case of minor shirk. In the case of minor shirk or uh, uh, forms of other shirk which are not from the major shirk if it occurred then in those circumstances we don't say the person has died as a kafir he's not outside of the fold of Islam but major kufr or shirk then yes if he is yustatab sahibuhu fa'intaba wa illa qutil that if that person has committed major shirk and you tell him to repent, he refuses, he's killed, he is died as a kafir, that one. That person died upon major shirk. So that person isn't forgiven, there's no such thing, he's died as a kafir. So distinguish between that. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى إِنَّمَا أَرْسَلَ الرُّسُولَ وَأَنزَلَ الْكُتُبَ لِيُعْبَدَ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَلَا يُدْعَى مَعَهُ إِلَهٌ آخَرُ so Allah sent the messengers and revealed the books so that he would be worshipped alone without any partners and that nobody would be called upon besides him. وَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرَ مِثْلَ الْمَسِيحِ وَالْمَلَائِكَ وَالْأَصْنَامِ لَمْ يَكُونُوا يَعْتَقِدُونَ أَنَّهَا تَخْلُقَ الْخَلَائِقَ أو تنزل المطر As for those who call upon others besides Allah, such as Isa alayhi salam, they call upon Isa alayhi salam, or they call upon the angels, or they call upon the idols. They don't believe that those others create the creation, or that they ascend the rain, or that they cause the vegetation to grow. وَإِنَّمَا كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَهُمْ وَيَعْبُدُونَ قُبُورَهُمْ وَيَعْبُدُونَ صُوَرَهُمْ But they only used to worship them, their graves, their statues, their idols. وَيَقُولُونَ مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى That we don't worship them except that they will bring us closer to Allah. That's what they used to say. That these idols 
They will bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These others besides Allah, they are our intermediaries. They are our intermediaries, our intercessors with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَبَعَثَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ رُسُولَهُ تَنْهَا أَنْ يُدْعَى أَحَدٌ مِنْ دُونِهِ لَا دُعَى عِبَادَهُ وَلَا دُعَى إِسْتِغَاثَهُ انتهى كلام الشيخ رحمه الله So Allah sent his messengers to prohibit that anybody should be called upon besides Allah not for the dua of worship nor the dua of seeking aid and assistance and that is the end of the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah وَبِهِ يَتَّضِحُ كَشْفَ شُبْهَ كَشْفَ شُبْهَةِ هَأُولَئِ الْقُبُورِينَ So here now it becomes clear يَتَّضِحُ كَشْفُ شُبْهَةِ هَأُولَئِ الْقُبُورِينَ الذين يسوغون فعلهم هذا بأنهم لا يعتقدون في الأولياء مشاركة الله في الخلق والرزق والإحياء والإماتة So here this clarifies a doubt that some of those mushrikun they try and use They say we do not believe that these others besides Allah can create We do not believe that they can give sustenance or provisions. We do not believe they give life or death. We don't believe any of that about them. Therefore, we're not committing any shirk as they claim. And they say, إِنَّمَا يَعْتَقِدُونَ فِيهِمْ أَنَّهُمْ وَسَائِطَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ فِي قَضَاءِ حَاجَاتِهِمْ وَتَفْرِيشْ كُرْبَتِهِمْ they say these are just intermediaries between us and Allah. That they will simply help for our needs to be answered and for our difficulties to be removed from us. They will just be intermediaries helping us in that. We don't believe they give life and death or they create. وَهِيَ نَفْسُ الشُبْهَ نفس الشبهة التي قالها مشركو الجاهلية كما ذكرها الله في كتابه وأبطلها And that is the exact doubt that the مشركون mentioned at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم The exact doubt that the مشركون mentioned they would say that we don't believe they give life or death or give provisions or sustenance or create the creation. But we just go to them as they are intermediaries for us and Allah. They are intercessors between us and Allah. That was what they used to claim and that is what the people claim today. أن شرك هؤلاء المتأخرين زاد على شرك الجاهلية فصاروا يهتفون بأسماء هؤلاء الأموات في كل مناسبة ولا يذكرون اسم الله إلا قليلا 
وإنما يجري على ألسنتهم اسم الولي دائما والأولون كانوا يشركون في الرخاء ويخلصون في الشدة وهؤلاء شركهم دائم في الرخاء والشدة The Sheikh says that now the shirk of the people is worse, more severe than the shirk of the earlier people. Think back to your studies. Don't follow a mistake or a slip of the tongue. Think back to your studies. They used to commit shirk at times of ease or at times of difficulty. I just said they used to commit shirk at the times of difficulty. But did they used to commit shirk at the times of ease or at the times of difficulty? At the time of ease. This time I noticed it. Sometimes it happens. That you may make a statement and it is subqulisan as they say, that it comes out and you didn't intend it that way. So be aware and be alert. So what is correct here actually is that the earlier ones, they used to commit shirk at the times of ease. But when they were in difficulty, when they were out on the ocean and they were drowning, then they would call upon Allah sincerely. Whereas the people now, they call upon others at the times of ease, but also at the times of difficulty. So the Sheikh says, always in whatever circumstance they are talking about their awliya and talking about the maulana and talking about this one and that one from the great leaders of theirs and they rarely mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, it's mentioned qala al-imam al-san'ani muhammad ibn ismail al-san'ani he said, وَكَمْ هَتَفُوا عِنْدَ الشَّدَائِدِ بِاسْمِهَا كَمَا يَهْتِفُ الْمُضْطَرُ بِالصَّمَدِ الْفَرْدِ <coughs> How much they resort to and call upon their names in the times of difficulty just as the one in need calls upon Allah alone. Meaning those people now all the time, they are calling upon their false deities. Even in times of difficulty, they are not sincere. They call upon the false deities. That brings us to the end of point number nine, which was about what? Al-Ghulu' Salihin. Then we move on to point number 10, which is At-Taswir Wasilah ila Shirk. Picture making, picture making 
is a means to shirk. Picture-making is a method or a means or a door opening up to shirk. What tasweer ma'anahu and what is the meaning of picture-making? Naqlu shakli shay wa hay'atihi biwasitati al-rasm aw il-iltiqat bil-alah aw il-nahd وإثبات هذا الشكل على لوحة أو ورقة أو تمثال Picture making is to transfer something and its appearance via drawing or photography or sculpting and then preserving that image upon a paper or upon a board uh, or upon a figure, transferring something and its appearance via drawing or photography or sculpting onto a board or a, a paper or a, a figure. So that process of transferring it over now is your picture you're making. That is the picture you are making. وَكَانَ الْعُلَمَا يَتَعَرَّضُونَ لِلْتَصْوِيرِ فِي مَوَاضِيعِ الْعَقِيدَةِ And the scholars, they used to mention about picture making at the times of aqidah in the places and in the situations, in the contexts of aqidah. لِأَنَّ التَّصْوِيرَ وَصِيلَةِ مِنْ وَسَائِلِ الشِّرْكِ وَالدِّعَاءُ الْمُشَارَكَ لِلَّهِ بِالْخَلْقِ أَوِ الْمُحَاوَلَ لِذَلِكَ Because picture making is a means to shirk. Or as well, it is a claim of participating along with Allah in creation or attempting to do that. When you draw or sculpt or photograph something alive with a soul in it, then it is as though you are competing with Allah to try and create or recreate that thing. Competing with Allah in his creation to recreate that thing yourself in your painting, in your picture, in your photograph, in your sculpting. To the extent it is mentioned that there was an individual who made a self-portrait of himself self-portrait painted himself on a piece of paper. Maybe look in a mirror and paint yourself. And he painted it so accurate, so good, as a real-life painting, that he sent it off to the passport office to apply for a new passport and they thought the picture he sent them was a photograph he had actually painted it. 
He made it look so real that it looked like a photograph. Not magic, you can paint. Some of them they paint like that. They try to copy the creation of Allah. And he painted it so accurate like that, that they actually passed it and issued it. Thinking it was a photograph and it was a self-portrait he painted himself. That's the meaning of competing with the creation of Allah. Picture making, it is as though you are competing in the creation of Allah to try and make what Allah has created. You are trying to recreate what Allah has created. And that is impermissible to compete in creation in that way. And it's mentioned, وَأَوَّلُ شِرْكٍ حَدَثَ فِي الْأَرْضَ كَانَ بِسَبَبِ التَّصْوِيرِ حِينَمَا أَقْدَمَ قَوْمُ نُوحٍ عَلَى تَصْوِيرِ الصَّالِحِينَ وَنَصَبَ صُوَرَهُمْ عَلَى الْمَجَاءِ وَنَصَبَ صُوَرِهِمْ عَلَى مَجَالِسِهِمْ And that is the first shirk which happened, happened at the time of Nuh alayhi salam like we mentioned. And one of the reasons for that was picture making. They made figurines or pictures of those righteous people. And they put them up in their places of gathering. So that is how the first shirk began. Picture making was a part of it. وَقَدْ حَذَّرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنَ التَّصْوِيرِ بِجَمِيعِ أَنْوَاعِ وَنَهَا عَنْهِ وَتَوَعَّدَ مَنْ فَعَلَهُ بِأَشَدِّ الْوَعِيدِ وَأَمَرَ بِطَمْسِ الصُّوَرِ وَتَغْيِيرِهَا لِأَنَّ التَّصْوِيرِ فِيهِ مُضَاهَاتِ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلِ الَّذِي انْفَرَدَ بِالْخَلْقِ So the Prophet ﷺ warned us against picture making every type of picture making and there is a great threat upon those who are from the picture makers and the Prophet commanded us to wipe out any pictures to destroy any pictures and to change them because in picture making there is an element of you trying to compete with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and of course Allah is the one single and unique in creation فالتصوير هو منشأ الوثنية That picture making it is sourced from the mushrikeen The idol worshippers that is who or from where picture making emanates from It emanates from those idolaters, the idol worshippers لِأَنَّ تَصْوِيرَ الْمَخْلُوقِ تَعْظِيمٌ لَهِ Picture making of creation, it shows that you are giving them great nobility and status that you make a picture of them. Great nobility and status and rank you are giving those people if you're making statues and pictures of them. So, this is all from the reasons why it is impermissible to create pictures. 
And there are hadith that warn against this too. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Qala Allah ta'ala that Allah said, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ ذَهَبَ يَخْلُقُكَ خَلْقِي فَلْيَخْلُقُوا ذَرَّهُ أَوْ لِيَخْلُقُوا حَبَّهُ أَوْ لِيَخْلُقُوا شَعِيرَهُ Who is more oppressive than the one who goes creating like my creation? So let him create a ذرَّه, the smallest of things. Or let him create a habbah, a seed, a dhurrah from the small grains and the habbah from the seed, sha'ira from the, the barley, the grain. Let him go and try and create those. Who is more oppressive who tries to, than the one who tries to create like my creation? Then let him go and create these small things. And of course he cannot. So this means there is nobody more oppressive than the picture makers because the picture making upon the appearance of what Allah has created that has souls in it, it is competing with the creation of Allah. In another hadith in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim from Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet said, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ عَذَابًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ الَّذِينَ يُضَاهُونَ بِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ The most severe of the people in punishment on the day of judgment are those who used to compete with the creation of Allah. So another great warning and severe threat for the picture makers. That is where we'll round off on today. And we'll carry on with the next topic now in, not next week, not the week after, in third week from now. Because next week, next week is the mini event in Oldham. For the first time, we're going to hold a small event in Oldham. So next Saturday, 7 p.m., no class here, but it's going to be in Oldham. So everybody should try and come and join us in Oldham next Saturday, 7 p.m. The details are available on Twitter. They'll be available elsewhere, I'm sure, spreading on the groups, etc. But it's available on, the, on Twitter accounts for Tawheed Rochdale. It's available on the Twitter account for Tawheed Watchdale. It's available on uh, uh, my account also on Twitter. The poster, the details, you can find the details. People will have that going around in the groups. So next Saturday, 7 p.m., come and join us in Oldham, inshallah ta'ala. So no class here. And then in two weeks' time, there's a conference in Stoke on Saturday, so there'll be no class for that week either. So the Saturday class here will resume in three weeks, insha'Allah. The capital punishment we were talking about cannot be established, cannot be practiced outside of the official channels of having a Muslim country, a Muslim ruler who does it under his authority and leadership. 
not vigilante, not anybody can just come along and say they're going to do that. No, that is only under the official rulership. Even if somebody says their intention is not to be trying to compete with the creation of Allah, it doesn't justify it for you. You are still trying to create what Allah has given life to. You can't say that's not my intention. It's haram altogether, full stop. The severe threat upon the picture maker. So you can't say that's not my intention. I'm not trying to create, uh, compete with the creation of Allah, so it's okay for me. You can't say that. Still punishment upon you. Where it's a necessity, if it's a necessity, then you can have the necessity ones, passport, driver's license, etc. Videos is a different discussion, and some of the scholars, they allow videos because it is not the same as picture making. Picture making is defined as transferring an image to another set place. A video is a movement of what's recorded. It is not a still picture. And so some of the scholars, they've allowed that, especially for da'wah purposes, for da'wah purposes, to record classes and lectures and to broadcast them. Many of the scholars, like a Sheikh Al-Ithaymin, they allow that. For da'wah purposes, it's good, he says, to record them and to give that benefit and da'wah to the people, for people to watch that, because that is what people do these days. Everybody now, it's all about watching the videos. Not many people listen to recordings and audios. So some scholars like a Shaykh al-Athameen allow that. For da'wah purposes, not necessarily just for other videos for no reason. At the burial... To do a reminder, it is possible, as Sheikh Zaid, I believe it was a Sheikh Zaid, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Sheikh Zaid al-Madkhali, who mentioned that it is permissible to give a reminder to the attendees, just about death, etc., but not to make it a lecture. You're not going to go do a lecture at the burial. But to give a short reminder to everybody, just remind the people about death, etc. There is uh, evidence for that, that this did occur. So a general short kalima, just as a reminder to people about death, isn't a problem. But if you're going to stand there for a lecture, a full lecture, then that's not something that I'm aware of is a sunnah. Not yet. This is just a one-off lecture, a one-off event. Nothing else is planned yet, no. All right, we're going to have to stop there, huh? That's okay. The point here is living things with souls in them. People, animals, that is basically what is being referenced. No problem with trees and nature and those things. They don't have souls in them. We're going to have to round off on that. We'll carry on, inshallah, then next time. Next week, as I said, remember, try and join us in Oldham at 7 p.m.